lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota, and SixFootMama.com. This is Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling. Still Growing is a gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Still Growing, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jennifer Ebling. Well, let's see. This past week, I took a little break from the garden. I was going to get out there with my student gardeners, and it just didn't happen. We've had a lot going on. Summer's winding down. My daughter was in a play. She was actually in the musical Susicle. She was Mr. Mayor. It was so exciting to see her in that role. And she's uh, with this little group. It's called Taste of Broadway in Maple Grove. And they put together an entire musical with probably 75 kids, I guess. And they do it in nine days. And it's always fantastic. So this is Emma's last year because she's finally uh, too old. Next year, she'll be too old to participate. I think they go up to about 15 years old. So we were so, so thrilled and so proud of her. She did a great job. Uh, as a consequence, we didn't get in the garden that much last uh, this past week. So now this morning, I did a walkthrough and I can see that we need to harvest basil tonight. Tonight is the night that we need to be making one of our last big batches of pesto to hopefully tide us through winter. So that's on the docket. I see that uh, we've got to harvest peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers. So that's on the list. Uh, and then as far as garden cleanup, I'm scheduling my student gardeners for next week. And we will be working on things like deadheading and cutting back some of the plants that are starting to decline. You know, that is such a great tip for people who are looking to try to tidy up their gardens is just cutting things back when they're starting to look a little shaggy and raggy. I know I've got hostas that that need tidying up and then just general perennials that just need, need a little bit of attention. And if you do this now, it makes your fall cleanup so much easier. Now, I have a couple of fun things that I wanted to share with you, and the first has to do with ordering spring flowering bulbs. So imagine if you were going to come over to my house with your color blends and your Van England catalog, and we were just going to sit down and go through those catalogs and place our order together. That's basically what's going to happen on a show coming up in September. So I have two special guests and then a representative from both both Van England and Color Blends, and we are going to place our order and then have the representatives from those companies talk to us about the bulbs that we're ordering and make suggestions and feature maybe some bulbs that we didn't consider, basically highlight the great things that are in their catalog so that we can have an awesome spring display of spring flowering bulbs next year in our 2017 garden. So what I want you to do is go ahead and get the Color Blends catalog and the Van England catalog. All you have to do is jump on their website and request one. And then you'll have it when it's time to listen to the show. You can go through the catalog yourself and at the same time be listening to the selections that I'm making, the selections that my guests are making, and then the feedback that the representatives from each of those companies is going to make. So that, I think, will be a super helpful show if you've ever just looked at the spring flowering bulb catalog and been a little bit overwhelmed. So you're going to get a little custom walkthrough and maybe hear some tips and ideas about 
coordinating colors and special bulbs that you maybe would not have considered without hearing from these experts. So definitely take advantage of that. Order your catalogs today. I would love for you to participate in that way and share what you're finding out on the Facebook community page for Still Growing, which I'll talk about in a minute. The other thing I wanted to kind of help you prepare for is my interview with Marta McDowell, which is coming up later in the year as well. She is the author of the new book, All the President's Gardens. And I love this book because it really appeals to two things I'm very passionate about. One is history, and of course, the other is gardening. And by the way, did you know that there are 18 acres of land surrounding the White House? I had no idea either until I started to read this book. So what Marta is doing in this book called All the President's Gardens is she is tracing the story of how the White House grounds were conceived and how they've changed from president to president. Because, of course, every time there's a new administration, the grounds get a little bit of a facelift. So... There's everything from George Washington's obsession with having different types of trees to, of course, uh, First Lady Michelle Obama's kitchen gardening that she loves. And so it's a perfect book if you like both history and gardening. I think you'll find it very interesting. So add it to your fall reading list and start reading now. And then when I interview Marta, you'll have a chance to hear some of her thoughts on the book as well. Now, you can also interact with Marta in the private Facebook group that I host for listeners of the show. And here's how you find it. When you're in Facebook, go up to the search bar and type in Still Growing Podcast Group on Facebook. And then there will be some search results. There will be some tabs across the top. Make sure to click on Groups because this is a group page. And even though it says it's a closed group, click on it and ask to join. And then I'll approve you and you'll be in the group. It's that simple. I'm structuring it to be a great online community for gardeners of all experience levels. And all of the guests that have been featured on Still Growing have been invited to join. Marta's in there. Joel Karsten's in there. He's the author of Strawberry Gardens. They've all been invited to join. And I regularly feature their new content as a way to say thank you for sharing their time and expertise on the show. So if you're not in there yet, don't be shy. Come join us, ask some questions, share resources, take a look around. We chat about the episodes of the show in there, and we also have some fun things that we're doing throughout the week, Market Mondays, Fun Fridays, that type of a thing. And we'll answer questions and share things about ourselves, whether it's a tour of our garden or a video of a new water feature, that type of thing. It's really fun. So come join us. Go to Facebook and search Still Growing Podcast Group, and you'll be in the listener community in no time. I look forward to meeting you there. When it comes to today's guest, you may have interacted with her on social media for her Floral Fridays, where she's sharing photos from her garden, which, by the way, are extraordinary. And I'm speaking about Jen McGinnis of Frau Zinni. And the name of her blog is referencing the German word for Mrs., which is Frau, and then a play on the word Zinnia. And she says Zinni. So her 
her, the name of her blog is Frau Zinni. And you can find Jen on social media. I, in particular, enjoy following her on Twitter because I think she's a very kind of clever Twitter poster. And she also has really awesome images. So these are images that are usually on her blog. Not always. Sometimes they're just on Twitter. But she does share really, really great pictures. So if you're into garden photography and you like someone with very clever Twitter posts, she would be a great person for you to follow. So check her out. She's at Jen M. Gardens on Twitter. So that'd be a great account to look up next time you're on online. Uh, The other thing that I like about Jen in this particular interview is that she has obstacles in her garden, just like we all do, that she has to overcome. But I think one of the things that Jen does that's unique to her is that she really works with the constraints that she has to overcome. So she doesn't try to eradicate things or take a super aggressive approach. Instead, I think she gets very knowledgeable and gets creative about how do I solve this problem. So she's more about trying to live in harmony with the things that are challenges, such as her black walnut tree that has pretty much taken over her backyard and impacted what she can grow in that space. The other thing that I really like about Jen is that she is a darn good cook. So if you have not checked out her recipes, you are in for a treat when you go to her blog because she has some really awesome ideas for what to do with the garden harvest, specifically a fruit harvest. Her pear recipes and plum puff pastry recipes are to die for. And of course, she's a total sweetheart. Well, hi there, Jen. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing so good, and I am so excited that we're finally connecting, and I was so drawn to your website initially by the name Frau Zinni because I minored in German, and of course, living in Minnesota, so many of my ancestors are from Germany, and I'm so curious, I have to ask you, why the name Frau Zinni? And of course, the follow-up to that is, how much do you like Zinnias? Oh, well, thank you so much for checking out the website, first of all. And uh, the the name that I came up with was kind of um, me trying to be cute kind of a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, and I when I started the blog um, back in 2011, it was when we were already living in our house here for two um, two years. And I was like, you know, I really want to start documenting what the yard is doing. And um, at the same time, I wanted to be, you know, unique. So I was like, let's play on the German side of my family. So I started like trying to find out what the translation would be for Miss Zinnia. And then I was really trying to do the whole like, oh, I want to use the word Fraulein because, you know, you just think Fraulein such and such is so glamorous, you know. And uh, <laughs> um, the more I researched, the more I found out that I couldn't be a Fraulein because I'm married. So, <laughs> oh, darn it. so I had no to ball settle and for chain. Frau. Yeah, you had to settle for Frau. <laughs> <laughs> Which my husband rolls his eyes at. He's like, oh, too bad. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But, uh, and then I was like, oh, what type of flower would I do? And then um, I was like, well, I love zinnias. I love how I can cut them and bring them aside and they're easy to grow. And when someone's starting a garden, I'm always saying like, you know, do zinnias because even if you ignore them, they'll still give it their best shot and they'll be cheerful and they'll make you feel so much better about yourself. And I feel like those are qualities that I hope to, you know, share with other people. 
So I thought it was appropriate to use zinnia um, as my flower. But then when I translated it, hopefully I did it correctly. I, <laughs> no one's ever tra- no one's ever challenged it. So I think it's correct, but uh, it came out to be Mrs. Zinnia or Frau Zinni. Oh, now what is the, so? What was the inspiration for your blog then? You wanted to do? Uh, did you always envision it being a gardening blog? Yes, um, I didn't. I didn't plan on the path that it took though. Because originally I just wanted to, you know, share what was happening, what was blooming in the yard. When we moved in, we had so much lawn and I hated it. And the first thing I started to do after we um, moved all our furniture in the house was to go outside and start digging up the lawn, which a lot of people in my neighborhood thought was completely crazy. And they'd be walking by with their dogs or um, out with the the kids in the strollers and they'd just be looking at me and go, hi, like, oh God, who is this one who just moved into the neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd just be like, hello. And I'd be out there, you know, ripping up the grass and putting in flowers. And uh, it just started to just be like, oh, look what I dug up today. And then um, back in 2011, I thought I really have to be more consistent with um Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't 2011. It was 2014. Um, I wanted to be more consistent with posting and doing more content on there. And that's when I started uh, attending gardening events and reporting on them and starting to do interviews with other people who do, um, who are experts in gardening. And it became more of like a, like a gardening resource as opposed to just like, look what's happening in my garden today. But I feel like I, now I have like, um, it's kind of both worlds. Like I'll do interviews with other gardeners, but I will still share what's happening in my garden. So it's like a nice mix. Yeah, that is a nice mix. I have to say, while you were mentioning dog too, I was laughing. Can you hear my dog snoring in the studio here? (laughs) No, I can't. (laughs) Well, good, because I was like, oh my gosh, this is starting to happen more and more because he's getting to be an older dog. I have this 90-pound lab. His name is Sonny, and he's uh, my number one follower. He literally follows me everywhere I go in the house. (laughs) So, of course, if I'm doing an interview, he's got to be right here, and he's laying on the floor, and he's just out of reach. So I've been like throwing like erasers at him, trying to get him to wake up. I'm like, please don't snore during this interview, <laughs> you little poop. Oh my gosh. Well, and in, in any case, back to the interview. Well, of the 14 cities or towns in the United States called Portland, you live, Frauzini lives in Portland, Connecticut. Tell us about your life in Portland and what brought you there. Well, I would say I... I guess my husband brought me to Connecticut because he grew up in Middletown, Connecticut, which is right across the river from Portland. And we met when we were in college um, in Poughkeepsie, New York. And I'm originally a city girl. So I grew up in Queens, New York. And my property was like a postage stamp size yard with my parents. And wow. um, the backyard had the Metro North LIR train tracks going through. And, you know, you had the airplanes going overhead and you had the sirens and on our city block, there were, there were trees, but they were surrounded by cement. So it would be like a little cutout square and then like a giant oak tree and then more cement. So I think when I came to Connecticut the first time for grad school, we ended up going to Quinnipiac. Um, I really liked how open everything was and how peaceful and how 
like you still can get the city, but it's not as in your face city. Um, cause you know, like New Haven and Hartford are, um, busy cities in Connecticut, but not to the scale of New York city. So I would say that when we were looking for a house, Portland came up on the list because it's a small town. Um, it's quiet. There's a lot of open space, a lot of trees. Um, I'm really lucky to live in a neighborhood where the neighbors are nice and, uh, it's caused me not to really miss the city life at all. Wow. And I find that when I do go down there, I get overwhelmed because of like all the noise. Cause now I'm at the point where all I hear are the birds outside and you know, maybe, maybe like someone's having a black party, but that's pretty rare too. <laughs> You're turning over a new leaf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, on your blog, you post pretty regularly on Fridays with a post called Floral Friday. And you also do this on Instagram, too. You share it on right. Instagram. And these are basically documenting your garden walkthroughs for that particular week. And I have to congratulate you because you are so consistent with this. Thanks. So are you a detail-oriented <laughs> person? I have to ask. <laughs> um, I guess somewhat I am. Um, I mean... It's nice to see for Floral Friday how it documents what's happening in the growing season because then I can go back and be like, when did that flower actually start blooming? Yes. And I can look for it because I try to tag the post just by like the type of plant that's featured. Oh, so great idea. I'm looking for like a daylily. I can be like, okay, search daylily. And then all the ones that post with daylilies would come up. Um, so it's nice to see also like how the garden evolves. So it's yes. become kind of like a digital diary somewhat for me. Exactly. So do you ever uh, have people want to share their floral Fridays with you? We, I actually have a couple friends on um, Twitter, and they usually tag me on the tweets on Friday, like either for Flower Friday or, um, well, I guess it would be hashtag Flower Friday or hashtag Floral Friday. Okay. And they'll share like something that's beautiful blooming in their yard right now. Oh, I do like the idea of being able to go back and search for a particular flower when you're in the throes of winter and you're trying to remember the sequence of things. Oh, um, yeah. It's and very it's, helpful, isn't so it? You so need it then, too. When it's yeah. So cold and dark. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm mean, not a fan of winter at all. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I hear you. And, you know, it's so funny because when you see it every day, you think, oh, I don't need to take a picture of this. And then, sure enough, three months later, you can't even remember what that area looked like. So I'm forever reminding myself to go out and take pictures uh, during yeah, the summer. Yeah, and that's like one of the best habits that you can get into with the garden, too, because even in um, the spring, taking pictures of where those spring blooming bulbs are coming up because when you want to buy them in the fall and you're like, where am I going to put these tulips? And you're like, where, where are the tulips in my yard? You know, it really helps to be able to pull up that photo and go, Oh, here's a spot that really can use some color. And I would like that. Yeah, you're so right. So how do you do it? Because I mean, this obviously is a strength for you. You, you make this happen every week. You're very committed to it. I mean, do you have a spot in your garden apron for your camera or how do you just, how do you remember it? I think I'm just really drawn to whatever's happening out there. Like uh, yesterday, for example, I was supposed to be doing work and <laughs> and I saw the butterflies going by the, the window and then I saw the hummingbird coming to the feeder and I was like, oh, I guess I'll just go outside for a few minutes with the camera and see what happens. So I kind of like went out and 
I started taking pictures and then like 45 minutes went by. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I feel like I just kind of get sucked into it. My husband likes to joke around that. Um, I, I really like to, sh- to shoot photos when the sun is softer in the late afternoon because the shadows aren't as harsh. So uh-huh. that's usually like around dinner time. So he always jokes around that, oh, dinner must be ready because Jen's out in the garden. <laughs> I love pictures. this guy. Oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> well, he and, and my husband And there's always that point where I see something. I'm like, I'll, I'll be, I'll be right back. It's just the sun's just, <laughs> it's just hitting the flower. I gotta go. And he's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, he and my husband Phil are starving together. Basically, we should give them their, give them each other's phone numbers. They can be saying, are you eating tonight? Is there anything at your house to eat? The answer is probably no. <laughs> Do you actually have food there? <laughs> So really, I know, and I always tell him like, "You can start without me," but he's just—he's <laughs> so nice. He always waits for me. And then oh it's my cold. gosh! <laughs> oh Lord! So, are you guys? Do you have a um, a when you're out there gardening, or when you're when you get the call to go out? Are you taking just your camera, or are you bringing like a notepad and and other things with you? You just kind of get lost with your camera. How does that happen for you? Um, yeah, I actually just go out with the camera. Like I usually decide what type of lens I'm going to use. Um, I I would say that I usually have my macro lens on just because it does such beautiful detail shots. Um, and then like this week I tried a different lens. Um, it's good for, um, like when you want to photograph birds that are further away. So I try to like do a lot of like flower pictures in that angle because I feel like sometimes I... I do photograph like the same way over and over. So I was trying to break out of like, well, let's do something different today and show more of the flowers than I usually do. Oh, that's a good um, idea. Yeah. And then there's another lens I have, which is really cool. It's a, it's an art lens called uh, Pet Petball. And what it does, you put in these special filter plates and it creates this shape bokeh in the background. So depending on how the lighting is, you can have stars in the background or hearts. Oh, and wow. it looks so cool, like framed with the pictures, but you have to like huh. manually focus it. It's uh, it's based on a very old lens design that they've recently reproduced and sold. And what's it called again? Um, Petsval. I believe it's spelled P-E-T-Z-V-A-L. Oh, wow. Good. I'm so glad yeah, you Yeah, it's really cool. It. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. I'm going to look into that. I'll put it in the sh- uh, links for the show too. So oh, sure. If people are looking for it. Now, are you... Um, a compulsive person at all in the garden or if you are what are you compulsive about in your garden I feel like I'm not really too compulsive um I guess I'd be more structured and practical I guess because um like a few years ago I had a professional landscape designer come to evaluate my garden because I knew that I wanted more color in the summertime but I didn't know what plants would do that for me in the in the time window I was looking for so she came out and she gave me her suggestions. And then while she was here, she was also like, maybe you shouldn't do the bed this way. It's too narrow. Maybe you should make it bigger. Um, so some of those suggestions I took and some of the plants she talked about, I went out and bought and incorporated. And I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like it helped. I don't know if that really answers what, about the compulsiveness, though. <laughs> no, that no, that does help. When you think about your garden and the areas that kind of are like blocks for you, you know, struggling points, points of, um, I don't know, design difficulty, what okay. what is it about those areas that is problematic, do you think, for you? Is it just that it's a 
kind of a dead zone or is it more of a um, a challenge because of lighting or what are the areas that typically, you know, cause you the most grief? Areas? Yeah. Um, I would say in the backyard would be near the black walnut tree because that oh. tree, oh my gosh, that thing is such a challenge, but it's so tall and it's, it's been probably on the earth longer than I have been. So, <laughs> so it's I'm not going to start picking a fight with it. And I don't, I'm not really an advocate of cutting down trees. Like we have a strip of a little woods behind our property and there are some trees back there that have died, but I, I don't bother taking them down because they're not a threat to the house. And then they become homes for, for the woodpeckers and, um, you know, it kind of creates the whole cycle of life thing back there. So I'm not willing to chop down the walnut tree or spend the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sends out this basically like a poison through its roots. Um, it's called jugalone or juggalone. I'm not sure how you actually pronounce it, but what it does, it makes sure that nothing else nearby can compete with it. So it can be tall, beautiful, majestic, and, you know, the center of attention. There are some that can resist it, but there's so many that can't. Like I've lost hydrangeas and peonies. And in the very beginning when we moved here, I had no idea. So I just kept like, oh, well, I think hydrangeas would be beautiful in the backyard. Let me plant three. And then they would start to yellow and die and wilt. And I would just be like, what is going on? And then finally, like I was researching about this tree and I was like, oh, 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 I'm just throwing money away. Yes. <laughs> so like I, there are more sites now that tell you plants that are compatible and will work under the black walnut tree, which is good because sometimes when I'm at the garden center and I think, oh, this would look great in the backyard. I think, I better check that list and make sure the black walnut's not going to kill it. <laughs> yes. Now, how far out does that go? How far out does that um, chemical affect your lawn ba- or your area back there? Is it is it well beyond the canopy of the tree? Yeah, I've read that it can go 50 feet from the tree base, I believe, from like the canopy. Like it's far, like I guess it's a pretty extensive root system. Okay. So luckily for me, I have the backyard, our house, and then the front yard. So it must be enough of a buffer where the house is to to protect the front yard. Okay. <laughs> so all the all the plants that don't make the cut in the back, I put out front. And we do get more sun out in the front garden. So it's usually a better spot anyway. Um I would love to have more going on in the back garden, but it's just so hard. <laughs> that tree. What about raised beds? Would that do the trick, do you think? I've um I've actually tried two back there and they seem to do okay, but um you have to make sure that the the black walnuts don't get into the soil or oh. that the leaves don't get in either because I guess they contain trace amounts of wow. the chemical as well. So of course there's the squirrels and they you know, they're storing everything for the winter and (laughs) sabotaging me out there. (laughs) They are. Oh my gosh, you do. You have a huge challenge. So now I have my follow-up question was, are there any garden thugs that you wish you wouldn't have planted? Well, you didn't plant that, that black walnut tree, but it certainly is probably your biggest garden thug. Yeah, definitely. And it was funny because there was a woman who moved into town about two years ago and I belonged to a a garden club in my town. There's actually three garden clubs in Portland because one garden club isn't enough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it never <So>, is. <laughs> never enough. So uh, <laughs> 
So we had gone there. Um, she had asked us to come look at the property because she was new to gardening and she didn't know if she was ripping out things that were important or if they were just kind of like weedy. And then we got to the property and I saw the black walnut tree and I was like, oh no. (laughs) And she's like, oh yeah, that thing drops walnuts and it it hits my neighbor's car. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's bad news. (laughs) You're like, let's go get a coffee. We need to chat. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go have a chat. (laughs) You're not going to plant anything here. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, can you go get something that's really comforting to you and I'll... uh... (laughs) I'll find a chair, a place for us to sit down. <laughs> Go get your blankie. We need to talk. Yeah. And she was telling me how our neighbor wants to cut down the tree because they hate the tree. And I'm like, well, if if that's what you guys want to do. Yeah. Oh, boy. Bearer of bad news. Well, yeah. are you an organic gardener, Jen? I am, yes. I, I know organic can sometimes be more expensive, but I feel like it's, worth the money in the long run because you're improving the soil over time and you're not just blasting the plants with a quick chemical fertilizer to get like what you want right away. Like, Oh, I want flowers. So go put some, put some blue stuff on there and make it work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I also feel like, you know, I don't use pesticides either because that would totally counteract the whole butterflies going through the yard and the ladybugs and the birds and, um, you know, once in a while I get lucky and I find a toad out there and they're one of the first, um, first ones that disappear when there's pesticide use. So I feel like organics just like the way to go. Yeah. We have a local author that, um, has written another new book on native plants. And she said, I can't imagine, you know, growing all these fabulous flowers and enticing all of the bees and the birds and the wildlife into my garden and then turning around and basically poisoning them, you know, yeah. with, with the pesticides and the herbicides that, um, that are out there. Do you have a memory or a, an event that happened, uh, to you that you experience that suddenly turned that light bulb on for you about becoming an organic gardener? I feel like it was just one of those things, like my parents used chemical fertilizers um, growing up while I was growing up there. Um, But I feel like the more I read in the gardening books, the more I was influenced by what they were saying Mm -hmm. and it just made sense. And then I would say, you know, once I was living in a house, um, and I could go to the garden centers and I could buy hy- like hydrangeas and like all the big plants that you can't have in your apartment. Um, I'm really fortunate that we have a lot of organic gardening centers around here and they're very influential in spreading, <laughs> spreading the good word, I guess. Wow, that's great. <laughs> so that helps, you know, and, um, you know, I've just read things about how people like spray trees for gypsy moss and then like the birds die and it's just, it's so, I can't imagine killing, killing everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, and it is an education. So I like hearing the educational component of it for you. Um, because if it, if the impetus kind of starts through word of mouth, I think the dedication comes through the education part where people start to read and learn and hear more and more, whether it's on podcasts or radio programs, you know, gardening uh, programs on the radio, um, whatever it is. Um, But I think it's important to talk about because a lot of people um, don't, 
you know, mention that they're, whether they're organic or not. So I love talking to folks that have totally adapted it. Um, I know for myself, I used to use Roundup, especially in my paths, in my walkways. And now I I no longer do any of that. So I've gone completely organic, um, I would say over the last three years, especially. Oh, it's Um, awesome. Yeah. So it's good. And, um, The other thing I discovered, I think through my interview with Shane Smith out of the Cheyenne Botanic Garden, he's one of the pioneers of uh, greenhouses in the United States. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And he said uh, something to me that really has stuck with me ever since, and that is how effective sharp streams of water are on combating any type of insect issue that you have. So if it's not soapy water, you know, like with dish detergent, just even sharp streams of water make a huge difference. So um, I know I was just trying it with my, um, I have a willow tree, a uh, ornamental willow, and okay. it was starting to get attacked by the Japanese beetles. And Oh, gosh, they're yeah, the worst. <laughs> of course. And Mike McGrath was like, get out there in the morning and spray it down with, uh, you know, with sharp str- uh, sprays of water. Here we go again. And so sure enough, I went out there and a couple times a day, I would just go out there and blast that. And then while I was at it, I blast the grapevine too, because I love that. Yeah. And yeah. next thing you know, I really have taken a huge um, decrease in my Japanese beetle issue this year. In fact, I think they're they're just they've given up. So that's awesome. Yeah, with sharp streams of water. Who knew? Great. Yeah, yeah usually uh like I'll go out there with the the soapy cups of water like on the plants that like you can reach and I'll like dump them in there. But this year hasn't even been too bad for me and I wonder if it's because about two years ago I sprayed the beneficial nematodes oh, you did. on my on my lawn and in the garden. And, you know, you're out there with the the sprayer and the little sponge that has all these microscopic nematodes. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess it's doing something. I don't know. But like I have definitely seen a decline in, in the number of Japanese beetles. And even when I'm digging in the soil, I don't find the grubs as often anymore. So I guess I'm I'm hoping that's what's doing it. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned that you visit other gardens, and I think visiting other gardens is something that's so important for people who are gardening because you get ideas that way, you get energized that way, and you can also ask about, well, how are you growing this, and why can't I grow this? And you know, one of my favorite pastimes, actually, when I'm not visiting gardens is I love to look on Craigslist under the farm and garden section and look at what people are selling for plants. So I love to go out to farm and and buy plant material that way because you get to talk to the grower and it's already climatized for where you're yeah. at. So it's fantastic. Point, yeah. yeah. So, and in the same way, I think visiting gardens is so helpful. So what has guard, visiting gardens done for you as a gardener, Jen? Uh, well, I agree with what you said about how it, it can uh, get you excited about growing new things and um, you get to see how other people are doing design in their garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like seeing everyone's take on what makes them happy when it comes to gardening, mm. because there's so many different garden styles and like so many like chatskis that people put in gardens or yes. soul putting gardens or just like the type of pottery people use. And uh, I would say like I'm really drawn to the gardens that have so many flowers or or like um, the cottage style. 
the ones that like, like if I'm on a garden tour and they do like an open garden day, um, I feel like the ones that are just like very structured or like, you know, a bunch of evergreens or a big lawn with like a couple plants dotting the perimeter. Those are the ones that I'm like, mm, okay. And I just keep going. Yep. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's so awesome when the gardener is outside willing to talk to people coming through and, you know, besides being like, thank you for letting us come and look at your garden today, which is something I always try to remember to say, because, you know, you are going into someone's private garden. Yes. Um, it's really nice to hear how the garden has evolved. There was one garden tour that I went on recently up in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. It was called the Secret Garden Tours. And there was one woman outside, and she had been in the house for more than 30 years. And she had a photo album out showing the progression of how the garden started to where it was today. Wow. And it was so cool to see. And then she, like, had these laminated, hand-drawn maps. So when you're walking oh around in gosh. her garden, you could, like, see what variety of plants she was growing. So that oh way, if you gosh. wanted to write it down, it was like you could you could do that and take it home. Oh my god! Which is so cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, talk yeah. about a dedicated gardener to have a laminated map of your, yeah, your seriously. yard. <laughs> oh, I would love that. That's such a great yeah. idea. Yeah, wow. and then at that point, you're not just like taking a picture of a clematis. You're like, oh, this is this specific clematis. Now I know where to go, like what to call it, so I can go get one too. You know, I love that. That is such a good idea. Yeah, having a even just putting together a map of the yard is, I think, a a huge project for a gardener. Have you done something like that yet? You know, I've tried and like, I try so hard to, it's usually in the winter time when I can't get outside. Um, I try so hard to be like, I'm going to plan and these plants are going to look perfect here. And you know, Oh, I got to write down what I have. And then I feel like spring comes and I just like throw away the papers <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, thank God it's flowering again. And then I'm like set loose into the garden center and I'm like, oh, I can totally set another day, Lillian. I, I don't sure. know where, but I'll, I'll buy it and I'll figure it out later. And then the whole planning thing goes right out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess in the winter, I'm a, I'm a planner. <laughs> yeah, in the winter. It's a wintertime activity. Yeah. So I guess if I was going to do it, I really should try and finish it by March. <laughs> Get it out of the way before yeah. <laughs> before the husbands don't have any dinner. At least right, they're right. well fed in the winter. Oh my gosh! Well, each yeah, month, maybe I should freeze some meals for them then. Too, yeah, there. Oh, see now, there you go, <laughs> there you go. But see, that's too practical, and they wouldn't even. Know. Well, mine would be like, what? What do you mean you froze a meal for me? <laughs> he doesn't have time to deal with that. Yeah, when, he gets when was home. made? What? Yeah, what? <laughs> Why does this say 2014 on the bag? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, that was the last time I froze a meal for you. No. <laughs> I don't think Phil looks like he's starving too much. So <laughs> this is my guy, my guy. So, um, well, each month you post, and I love this because I'm a list girl, and you post your list of suggested garden chores. And I wish there was like a, a central spot for this where I could just, you know, peruse through people's garden chore lists because I love reading 
calming through what folks are doing in their gardens. It is just such a calming thing for me. And then it gives me such so many good ideas too about what I can be doing or, you know, just the whole planning piece. And it's a great winter activity too, when you're trying to put together plans that are going to go by the wayside. But in the moment, it sounds like, (laughs) oh, this is such such a heavenly thing. Why don't you tell us some of your to-dos that you've got on your, your calendar for this month? Sure. Um, well, I started doing the calendars, I guess it was like a year ago. So now um, what I do every month, I bring that that original post back up and then I start to tweak it. And I start like trying to determine like, is this really something that it's still an issue for the garden here? Or I like that. Um, am I missing something like, oh, I never had in there... Um, like maybe I didn't talk about dividing irises or something, but now I'm really interested in that, so I'll add it to the list. So it's kind of good, like I can build on it every year. Yeah. Um, and then this past spring, I changed the format of how I do it, and I broke it up into three categories now. So like there's one, like the top part is this is your main priority. Like if you can get nothing else done, aim for these things. And then um, there's a second category that I call, this would be nice. Dot, dot, dot. Like, you know, if, if, you know, you have the time, like, you should also look into doing these type of things. And then there's a third category that I call, if all the stars align. (laughs) And that's like, if you've gotten everything above this list done, then you can go to this part. And And you froze a meal for your husband. Then you can do this one. Yes. Exactly. And that's like the part where... You know, it's like, it's not really important, but it would be nice if, like, you could do it. So, like, for August, I have, um, this would be a good time to figure out what you want to plant for spring bulbs. Because now, the you know, the garden centers are going to start um, ordering and stocking the bulbs for the fall. And, you know, I usually have good intentions, like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to pick out my daffodils in August and then they'll arrive in the fall and I'll be ready to go. And then I usually <laughs> procrastinate. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, October 30th and I'm like, Oh, I really should plant some daffodils. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I'm on the website. It's like, Oh no, that's sold out. Yeah. You can just yeah. go right down the list. Oh yep. my gosh. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess it makes it, it helps me narrow down because now I'm like, Oh, well these five things aren't available anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that would be, like, an example of, like, if you have time this month, this is a good thing to, like, start looking to do, you know. And uh, But, like, under main priorities, like, I have the irises. Um, I have so many irises that are not happy in their spots anymore because they've been there for, for more than five years. So they're starting not to bloom anymore. So they really need to be dug up and divided. And, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a fun task to do. But I think it's finally at the point where it's like, all right, I got to break down can do it. And I probably should do a couple of day lilies too while I'm out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What, what are you most proud of in your garden? I don't know. This, that's like a really tough question for me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm happy that I don't really have a lawn anymore. I've successfully removed most of it. Um, and I do have to mow a little bit cause there's like a little patch left in the back and there's like a strip left in the front. So it's enough that I actually have to be bothered with the lawnmower, but I guess what's nice is that in my neighborhood, I'm one of the only properties that has a full front yard garden, and that's nice, It's and it's also like a good talking point. Um, I find that people are more willing to open up and 
have a conversation when they're out walking their dog or, you know, just out exercising because they'll see a plant that's blooming and then they'll be like, oh, what, what is that? Because I want to have one of those in mine, you know. And uh, it's nice to be different from the rest of the neighborhood. But at the same time, I'm glad that I live in a neighborhood that doesn't restrict my creativity and they don't say like, oh, you can only have rhododendrons out front and not tomatoes, you know? Yes. So I guess that would probably be the best part about the garden. I love, I love having the front garden like that. I have a, I have a lot of garden in my front as well. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like you in that I have such a little lawn. It's, um, it's really not even fair. I have three boys and a girl and, um, (laughs) for for them to learn to mow the lawn at our house, is just not even a fair sampling of what it's like to mow the lawn. So when their (laughs) friends are complaining about it, they're always, they kind of look at me like, what are they talking about? What's the big deal? It's like five Yeah, minutes. what's the problem? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, honey, you just don't know. <laughs> what does it mean to mow the lawn? And then my oldest, uh, it's it was really unfortunate that he he was raised here because he his fantasy was to have a lawn mowing business because my dad has a riding lawnmower. And oh, okay. from the time Will was two, this was like his dream was to have a lawn mowing <laughs> business. <laughs> so not only do we not have a lawn, but I don't have space for a riding lawnmower. So he has started a lawn mowing business but there's he doesn't he has to do it the old-fashioned way he has to push the the lawnmower and um his dreams of having this riding lawnmowing experience are, are going unfulfilled he can provide that to his children but not here so yeah i know we we it do sounds like he needs to find a golf course or something <laughs> he needs to find it exactly yes if only we backed up to a golf course but that not 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 here so well um i i jen i absolutely loved you are a very unique gardener in that you have a soft spot for rabbits. I noticed I do, it yes. on your yes, I noticed it on your social media, and you know, and then uh, I think there was a picture of you with a bunny or something, and then you bought a concrete Probably. yes, and then you bought a concrete bunny recently that must look a lot like your bunnies with really long ears. They're adorable. So you have to tell us about your rabbits. Sure. Um, well, right now, um, I only have one rabbit because we had um, we had up to four at one point, but last year, two of them ended up passing away from old age. One was oh, 11, wow. and 11. he was like, yeah, and he was, he was like the best rabbit. Like someone once said, um, they had lo- someone was consoling another person about losing their dog, and they were saying, you know, you get one good dog, and no other dog can compare to that dog. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, I know I missed my rabbit. <laughs> they were just like, what is going on with you? <laughs> but like, uh, I mean, he had a great life and he was, he, we called him like the ambassador. He actually, we adopted him from the Humane Society. He was left in, um, in an apartment building after the people left out. They just left him there. So then they dropped him off of the Humane Society and originally we saw him, but he wasn't up for adoption because they were trying to get him um, to be a therapy rabbit really? and, because he was so friendly. But huh. then um, we ended up, I just kept checking the website anyway, and I ended up adopting Max, who um, who is still with us, and he's very spoiled and very opinionated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just happened to be checking after I had Max, and he was a baby, and he was, oh my gosh, that was like, 
I've learned my lesson, like no more baby rabbits because they turn into teenagers and they are very mean. Really? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they want to like mark everything and, um, spray everything. So I learned the hard way with Max that, um, when you have a rabbit to adopt one that is already spayed and neutered. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it was because Max was driving me crazy when he was like four months old that I was still looking on the website and, um, Domino, he was the one that was 11. He was up for adoption. So I like ran up to get him and they're like, Oh yeah, he threw out, he, uh, flunked out of pet therapy. And I was like, that's fine. He could come live with me. <laughs> <laughs> so he Aww. was, he like loved the house. He like re- had free reign of the house. And he did. Uh, we had like holidays here. Like we, w- we would host Easter just because, you know, we have to host Easter. Um, and then he would come down the hallway to greet like my in-laws and everything, you know, and it was really cute. And, um, and we also had, uh, Lola. She was the other one who had passed away, who was older. She was nine. And she was the one I had bought the rabbit statue of recently because it reminded me so much of how she used to, to sit. And, uh, she was going to be a 4-H rabbit that, well, she was a 4-H rabbit that they were going to use for meat. So I saved her. And uh, she was beautiful, and she was very sassy. And the best part about, like, each rabbit we've had is that they have such different personalities, and um, they're just so fun. Like, they don't want to be picked up and cuddled, you know? Like, if you want to cuddle an animal, then you probably should get, like, a dog or... <laughs> Not the rabbit. Not a rabbit. But um, they just they show you in their own way, like, how you're a part of their life. And, like, Max... Um, he's six and he's, um, he's the rabbit I have now. And he, um, he likes to eat the pear sticks that I cut off the pear tree out front and I dry them and then he'll eat them as like snacks and he's addicted to raisins and, you know, he'll come over and he'll like bump me on the ankle with his nose and then run away. And that's like his way of being like, I like you, but you know, I got to do my own thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, so they're, they're they're a lot of fun. They are well, and they're adorable. So I have to ask you because I have a, a flower shop that I am just over the moon in love with, and I only get to go to it a couple times a year because it's away in South Minneapolis. But um, they have a rabbit in their store. So how do you guys handle? Oh, cool. the, yeah, how do you handle rabbits running free? Are they potty trained? That's what I'm curious about. Yes, um, mine um, have all been litter box trained, and um, really? Max is also litter box trained. Yeah, I had no idea that they could have free reign of the house and be litter box trained. Yeah, and I um like usually with the free reign of the house, like I restrict him to one room when I'm not home, and that's a room that like I know it's safe with the wires and um, you know, like stuff he can access. Um, because I learned the hard way with Lola that like we have closets that don't have doors. So we have curtains in front of them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was like, Oh, whatever. Lola can go in the closet. I don't care. And then it turned out she really liked the way, um, straps tasted on my high heels. So she chewed them all off. <laughs> oh, Lola. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I learned the hard way. Like, I mean, like sometimes I forget that like they are a rabbit and they can be, pesky you know <laughs> yes they can be pesky that wascally yeah. rabbit <laughs> <laughs> so like you know when we're home we let him we have let him out and he can go in the hallway and he like likes to 
go like run into the bathroom and like find a towel and like rearrange it and then run away. Like it's really, (laughs) it's strange. (laughs) Well, does it surprise you then? I mean, cause you, you love rabbits. They're your pets. And does it surprise you how strong gardeners can feel about rabbits at times? Yeah, I, I feel bad, but like they're, like you open up like a like a gardener supply catalog and they have the rabbits with all the other pests, you know, and I'm like, Oh, but they're so cute. Yeah, they are cute. <laughs> and I like, you know, I like to think of uh like this must be like what Beatrix Potter must have felt like when she had her oh, rabbit. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like if they are distractive, you just have to tr- kinda outwit them and they it is possible to do like you you can protect your crops with chicken wire because there's something about like the pattern of the chicken wire that messes with the the way the rabbits see the like see in front of them and they oh. can't figure out how to like chew through the chicken wire you know so so that's like a good way to keep them out of what you want protected yes um but like I feel like uh like in our area, my big problem like we have rabbits that live in the trail of near our house, but they don't come into the yard here, but we have groundhogs and they're, they are hard. <laughs> groundhogs. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So what plants are you especially enchanted by this year? Is there anything that's caught your fancy? Um, well, I would say that this is a really good year for flocks. Um, and we've had like dry weather too. So it's been hard to keep everything watered, but it's, going there they look so pretty right now and it's nice for you know summer color and um it turns out the butterflies and the hummingbirds go to them too i had no idea because it's not in that like tubular shaped flower that i would think for hummingbirds Mm -hmm. but i saw them out there the other day and i just let them reseed and i don't know anymore if like the color combinations that are coming up are ones that i've planted or ones that they're just making on their own out there yes (laughs) But it's really pretty, like all different shades of pink and white and dark pink. Um, but there's also like a new hibiscus that I was asked to trial for um, J. Berry Nursery, and they're out of Texas. And they sent me um, some plants just to see if they would work up here in the Northeast because it's kind of like at the limit of their growing zone because mm. I'm in zone 60. Oh, and there's this one hibiscus called Social Butterfly, and it's just been blooming nonstop, and it's just so pretty. And I feel like every, almost every week for Floral Friday, I'm like, here it is again, because it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. so pretty. <laughs> it's a sure thing. We've got it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm really That's happy awesome. with it. And I'm definitely going to try and bring it in over the winter and keep it alive because I don't know, it's just so pretty. And I'm like, thank you so much for sending me this beautiful plant. <laughs> wow. And it's the social butterfly hibiscus. Yes. It's, uh, it's under their Hollywood uh, hibiscus brand. Okay. And who's the grower? Uh, Jay Berry Nursery. Jay Berry, okay. All right. Yeah, they're, they have a good thing going there. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, yeah. I listened to your interview on the Back to My Garden podcast with Dave Ladeau. Is it is that how you say it? Ladeau? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you were discussing your black walnut tree with him as well. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking yeah, about you, and topic. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So she tolerates the black walnut tree. She likes rabbits. You are a different <laughs> breed of cat, my friend. So I'm very, very curious because you have a high threshold for tolerance, I think, for things that other people would throw their hands. Yeah, things that people would throw their garden trowel on the ground and never 
come back, you know, just like the, I'm out of here. Um, I'm so curious, what other things are you able to contend with that other gardeners would just be like, that's it, I'm done? Do you, are there any other things on your list or, or things um, that you're like, I know I'm doing this and I know other people would not be doing this? Probably, probably the way I treat the groundhog. Um, <laughs> because... I would love to just trap them and send them on a vacation somewhere. And I just, I don't know. I just can't. Like, I feel like it's still an animal. And I don't know. There's probably a bunch of people laughing at me right now. But (laughs) especially when, like, I see him in the yard and he's, like, chewing on my flowers. And he's got that, like, devil eye thing going on with the fire in there. And I'm just like, oh, my God. (laughs) But what I did was he, well, actually, I shouldn't say he. It was a she. Um, because she had babies and of course the babies were adorable and that's what, you know, I was like, fine, I'll put up with you. Um, but what I did was they got underneath my shed and they made a nest and I was trying all these things to get them out of there because it's not good either for, for the shed, you know, like to make it unstable. And, uh, so I was trying all these things. Like I would barricade the opening when she left. This is before she had the babies, um, before she, after she left. So that way she couldn't get back in. So I like had this. I don't know why this house came with cinder blocks in the backyard, but I like lugged the cinder block over, blocked the entrance, and then she tunneled around it. So I was like, oh, well, I have this old Christmas tree stone, so I'm going to stick that in there with the cinder blocks. And then um, she got in around that. And <laughs> oh my gosh. And my husband's like, this is like turning into Caddyshack. You know that, right? <laughs> yes. So I, what I did was finally I got chicken wire and I made this like wall between the back of the shed that's open to my garden and the fence and the wooded area behind our property. So I put the chicken wire so you could go under the shed, but you can't get into my yard to eat the the plants anymore. And instead, like you had to go into the wooded area in the back to, to get out. So, you know, eat whatever you want back there, but don't eat from my garden. And it, it seems to have worked. And now um, it looks like the babies are gone, so I can actually go back there and, like, seal up the hole. I guess they they don't nest in July and August, so I really got to get on that. That should probably go on my garden list, you know? Yeah, that, that <laughs> should go on your garden list. Well, and from what I understand, you've got to dig, if you want to fence them out, you've got to dig down about two feet because they dig. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're deep And diggers. that was the mistake I made the first time. Um, was I just put like wire in front of the hole and I left it at that. And then they just kept digging deeper and deeper. So when I made that wall of chicken wire, I actually dug down and curved it, um, out because I guess when they dig under, they try to go up and you have to curve the chicken wire. So they hit the chicken wire when they come up too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was such, it was such a process, but (laughs) (laughs) and like anyone else would have just called the person and trapped them and gotten them out of here, you know? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, and you've got to act because they will eat the vegetation right down to the ground. Yeah. And there's there's a repellent that I actually bought from one of the garden centers. It's called Repellix or Repellix Systematic, I think. Mm -hmm. It's like a granulated one. It's supposed to be all natural. But what it does is you you have to apply it when the plants start growing and they'll take it up and it'll cause them to taste like hot peppers. Oh, which they won't want to eat then, you know? Yes. But if you don't apply the, and it takes like two weeks for the plant to actually absorb it up, but if you don't um, get it in that growing window, then, you know, 
it doesn't matter because the plant's not making new growth anymore, so it won't taste like it. Huh. So there's like a narrow window of time. So I like was experimenting with that this year too, and it kept him out of like uh, my poppies and stuff like that. But then, you know, I would I wouldn't apply it to a plant, and then it would be like, oh, you eat that too? Okay, great. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that you like to eat. Oh, I don't know, delphiniums or. <laughs> He's like, why, yes, Frau Zinni. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, thank you for the like gourmet that well. yard. That's exactly right. <laughs> He's out there with, like, the little wood chip polishing his teeth, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, this brings up such a good point because you are an extremely clever gardener as well. And I adored, oh, your, I adored your recent <laughs> Twitter post. And, I, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this a generational thing? But it had me absolutely dying laughing because you, oh. were, you were rapping about your fig tree and <laughs> you posted, figgy, 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 can't you see? Sometimes this plant just hypnotizes me, and I just love your flashy ways. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this girl. I've got to get her on the show. Um, but what what are you learning about fig trees this year, Are figgy, figgy, figgy? <laughs> I was like, I was so happy with that, and I showed my husband, and he was just like, you're really going to put that on Twitter? Oh, my God. Is he an engineer? <laughs> Phil's an engineer. <laughs> No. <laughs> he sounds like he's such an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, he tolerates the garden, you know, like, he's just like, that's your area. This is mine. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we're the same way. So he was not, as, as he did not give you all the props you deserved for that incredibly creative post. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> I thought it was great how many people like really liked it too. Oh my gosh, I adore I was like, it. Oh, there's more like me out there. There are. Yes, but we're we're hard to find. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're on Twitter apparently. Yeah, apparently we are. Oh my gosh. Um. Well, I would say like this is good because it's the first year that tree's actually doing something. Because <laughs> I've had it for. Uh, two years and you know each year it gets a bigger pot and then I bring it into the garage for the winter and I worry about is it too cold in the garage because we have a detached garage um oh my. and I'm like oh maybe it's not going to make it I don't know but it does and wow. uh when we have frost in the spring then I have to like haul it back into the garage yes. so I'm really glad that it's actually like doing something this year for all the effort but like I'm not sure like how to harvest them like I was actually asking on Twitter the other day, um, like there, the thing all of a sudden got like super big and it started to like hang down. And I was like, Oh, does this mean it's ready? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was asking and someone actually responded to me today and said that it should be like soft to the touch and it, you know, it will get bigger and droop down. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. Cause I had no idea what to do. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, you need, you need people to guide you when it's your first time growing. So yeah. Yeah. And that's what's great about Twitter too, is that there's, there's always someone out there who knows the answer to something that you need and yes. they're willing to help, which is great. Yeah. Bryn Haas says the same thing. She's the one that does garden chat. And, oh, yep. yep. Yeah. And she said to me, because uh, I just met her at the Garden Bloggers Fling here in the Twin Cities. And, oh, and, awesome. Yeah. And she said, oh, my gosh. She goes, it's fantastic. She goes, I'll put, I'll put something on about a rose. And she goes, next thing you know, I'm tweeting with a rosarian, you know, about this particular rose. So she is a huge Twitter advocate. Advocate. Yeah, and, yeah, um, she's an awesome person. I she's actually one of the ladies that I interact with regularly on on Twitter. Oh, she is. She, See, there you go. 
Yeah, and she's she's great. She has like so many so many great ideas, and she's so much fun. <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah, I have a feeling if she lived close, we would be in a lot of trouble together. Well, you too, yeah. basically. Yes, we need. It's, it's good we've got some distance here just to keep everybody safe, keep the plants yeah. safe. So, well, I have to ask: Are you an easily enchanted gardener, or do you resist allowing emotions to guide you in the garden? Well, I would say that I can be practical in that. Like now, I know, like my sun and shade requirements you know, and I know what will grow with the black walnut tree. So I feel like taking all that into account, I can still go to a garden center and be like, oh, aren't you just so beautiful? (laughs) You just have to come into my car and go for a ride. (laughs) What was the last impulse purchase you made? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, because it was like, (laughs) I think it was probably like two weeks ago. Um, (laughs) There was a tag sale at one of the a garden center um, a little farther away from my house and like all the perennials were like three ninety nine or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I bought some crocosima and some echinacea. And <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, I, I could fit it in somewhere. Yeah, those are <laughs> and they're still all on the in. patio waiting oh for, gosh. for their locations. And then there was, um, there was actually, actually there's another garden center that had a, 50% off sale off shrubs. So I finally bought an oak tree hydrangea. Good girl. Because <laughs> I was like, well, you know, 50% off, you can't go wrong. <laughs> no, 50%, my goodness. Well, yeah. I, I have to ask too, because you've said it now a couple of times, and I know there's probably someone listening going, and what is it? Um, but you've mentioned that you know what can grow by a black walnut tree. What are some yeah. of your favorite things to plant that can tolerate that chemical that the black walnut gives off? It turns out you can grow elderberry trees, and they're like an understory fruiting tree um, that uh, do well, not only in the Northeast, but along the Mid-Atlantic coast also. And they produce these blackberries just about now, like in August. And the hard part is competing with the birds to get to them first, because birds love them. But you can make um, jam from them. Um, You can, like, make a syrup out of them and make, like... um, almost like jello from it. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't you can't eat them fresh because they're um they do something to make your stomach upset. So you have to like boil off that part. Oh, isn't that so, interesting? Maybe that kind yeah. of corresponds to the black walnut. What I mean in terms of having Oh, maybe. Strong, yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? Just something that something they're really strong in their chemical composition maybe. Yeah. Um there was there was a workshop I went to last year about it. Um and like they they made the syrup with us there in the workshop, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go home and do it. But then I just never got the chance to, and the birds got to all the berries first. <laughs> oh wow! But maybe this year, maybe uh, maybe it'll happen. And then uh, hostas grow well around black walnuts, so oh, that's good. You can get all sorts of different types of hostas. The hostas um, can take them, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, which is really interesting because I mean it's good because of the the shade that the black walnut usually throws out too. So that works. Yes. Um, I think what else is out there? Daylilies and, seem to do well. Okay. I wonder uh, if there's any other woodland type plant, you know, since you're in the shade anyway, if there's anything that's, that would be more woodland that would grow under there. Um, I have had the, um, the Virginia bluebells and 
daffodils go under there. They're fine. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Queen Anne's lace. That's new this year. It's highly. I'm like the only person in Connecticut trying to get Queen Anne's lace to grow (laughs) in my yard. Everybody else has it like a weed. And I'm like, please grow. No, it's nice. (laughs) You know, it volunteered in my garden about my front garden, which is uh, just a pretty flower garden um, in front of the porch. And I love it. It's so pretty. Yeah, and, um, it's just so dainty and yeah, pretty. And... and it always finds its way right to the front of the bed. It doesn't want to be in the back. It wants to be right yeah, in the front. And it kind true. of spills onto the path. And I'm like, okay. And I usually have one, maybe two a year. And then that's it. So it, it doesn't t- take over. It's not a, not a thug in my garden at all. But I think they're so pretty. Yeah, I I really like them. And I'm glad that this year they finally finally took off. <laughs> so you finally have one or two growing right now? Yeah, I think there's about two, but they're pretty big. Because originally last year, I think it was, they were going to happen. They were going to bloom, but then the groundhog ate them. So that was the end oh, of that. <laughs> darn groundhog. Yep. <laughs> wow. You really are doing battle. Two years running. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe you need to get a cat. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> the only problem is that I'm allergic, so it doesn't oh. stay at the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need outdoor kitties. Well, yeah. here's something to fire you up a bit, Jen. Soil testing. <laughs> <laughs> I read your oh post gosh, on that's... I read your post on soil testing, so I know that you've done soil testing. Yes, yes. Um, I probably should do it more than I do because um they want, like, they recommend that you soil test, like, every part of your yard that you can. <laughs> um, but it is good because, like, if sometimes plants are just not doing well and you're like, what gives? Like, why is this not working? And then, um, like, our um, local extension area is through Yukon, and you can mail them a sample, and it costs, like, $8 for them to evaluate it. And then they send you this, like, detailed report back, and they tell you, like, what you're missing, and they tell you what nutrients you should buy to add to the soil and it'll make everything better. And then if you tell them what you actually are trying to grow there, they'll give you tips and like growing instructions for, for how to make it work. So like for $8, it's like a wealth of information that you get back that's customized just for your yard, you know, which is nice. Yes. And um, what did you find out about your soil test out of curiosity? Um, mine was lacking like a lot of phosphorus and I originally did it because I was worried moving into a house. Um, my house was built like in the fifties, I believe. So I just wanted to make sure there wasn't any like lead paint around yes. mm-hmm. when I started growing, um, the tomatoes and everything. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no fun in lead tomatoes. So, no. <laughs> um, so that was my initial worry was that, was the property safe. And then it turned out everything was fine. Um, like, I guess whatever, there's like a safe level for lead. So whatever that is, that's what just is naturally in the yard. Um, and then um, it was mostly phosphorus. And then uh, I ended up having to add calcium lime to some part of some part of the, the restricted lawn I have left. <laughs> <laughs> the restricted lawn. <laughs> I love how the lawn is restricted. Everything else is is fair yeah. here. 
for long. Everything else has free reign except yeah. for that grass. That grass. <laughs> we keep that under tight control. Um, <laughs> well, you grow a pretty good variety of edibles in your garden as well, including watermelons. And you recently tweeted about growing the fairy variety of watermelon from uh, Garden Harvest Supply. And you were tweeting with your friend at uh, the Freckled Rose, right? Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I, I, of course, got mixed up. I thought the Freckled Rose was the variety. And then you were so gracious and, and corrected me here, but it's called the Fairy <laughs> and it's out of Garden Harvest Supply. And what did you think of growing watermelon for the first time? The picture looked great, by the way. Yeah, it was it was really cool. And um, it was actually through a Facebook post that Garden Harvest Supply had put up. And it was like a random drawing that, you know, oh, we have a plant we're giving away. And if you want to win it, um, you know, comment below. And I just happened to be lucky and I got picked. So, yeah. And so they sent me the plant and, um, you know, I I didn't plant it right away because we were having this weird spring where we would have these cold nights. So I have grow lights in my kitchen, which is probably another reason why my husband is a saint, but, um, (laughs) he's a little bitter. He's a little bitter. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's, he's definitely a saint when it comes to all the garden stuff around. (laughs) Um, so I was living under the grow lights for a while too. And then finally I'm like, I gotta get this thing in the yard, you know? So, um, I planted it and I've never, never grew watermelon before. And this thing just like took off and I put it actually in one of my flower beds with zinnias and dahlias and um, nicotianas and I was just like all right let's see what happens and um, you know on the really hot days I would go water it but I just let it do its thing and um, I let it kind of grow on these little fence trellis things I had um, just so it would stay off the ground and it did really well and I had one watermelon already and then there's two more out there that are growing so it was a really nice surprise because I normally would never have tried watermelon because I thought it would take a lot of room. Yes. And this one, um, I don't know, I think it's a dwarf variety and it maybe has a spread of like maybe three or four feet right now at most. Yeah, that's not bad. And it was yeah. light, and it was lighter color, wasn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's a yellow watermelon and then you cut it open and it's like pretty pink inside. Yeah, very pretty pink. So it's called yeah. the Fairy. If anyone's interested, Garden Harvest Supply, and they can give it a shot next year probably, right? Is it too late? Yeah, yeah, I would say so because, I mean, it tastes really good too. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's spend a little bit more time on the edibles. What else do you like to grow? Um, I would say I'm more of a fruit person than vegetable. Like I'll do for vegetables, I will do, like, tomatoes because I feel like you have to grow tomatoes. Um, I'll grow peas in the spring and um, beans or cucumbers in the, like, now, you know. Yes. Um, and then uh, I'm trying pumpkins this year, but I've tried pumpkins in the past and I haven't had luck. Like, usually I get powdery mildew or something that just shuts it down, like those um, those borers that go into the stem. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, usually they take me down too. The so. squash vine bore? Yes, that's what it is. Okay, and, so um, I got a tip for you on that. I was just okay. listening to Mike McGrath, and he says to get that medical gauze. Okay. And 
you kind of dig ba- or pull back the soil a little bit and then wrap the gauze around the base of the stem from the soil line up a couple oh. of inches, and that will stop it, supposedly. Oh, wow. Yeah, so give it a try. And if you just, um, I think if you listen to the last couple episodes that he's had on You Bet Your Garden, you'll okay. you'll hear him talk about it. But um, it's such a simple solution, and I'm, I'm going to give it a shot myself. I haven't... Um, I haven't been growing growing for just that exact reason, so um, hopefully it'll work for you too. Yeah, that sounds great, and that's not like a hard thing to get no. a hold of either. Mm-mm. No, and it'll be a fun thing to put in the uh, in the old garden tote, where uh, you know if yeah. somebody comes along, they're like, "Huh, look at she's got medical gauze in here. I wonder what she does <laughs> with that." <laughs> Another mystery. Why does Grandma have medical gauze in her garden tote? <laughs> That goes so well when I'm digging a hole in the front yard yet again, and they're like, oh, she's digging a hole, and she has medical gauze. This is is scary. This is good. This is good. Yes. (laughs) But I was interrupting you because you were telling us about uh, edibles. Did you have anything else on the list you wanted to add? Oh, yeah. Um, I've had luck with garlic. That does really well as long as you put it in a sunny spot and give it a good amount of water. Yes. this year, I, I actually had moved it to the back just to see what would happen, and they didn't get um, as big as they normally do. So I don't know if it was just because I was bad about watering them, or they didn't get as much sun as usual, or maybe it was the black walnut. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> they weren't on the list for plants that get killed by the black walnut, which is why I tried it. So, But I probably want to get them. <laughs> <laughs> and then like with the fruit, um, I'm really into fruit, so I have three pear trees. I have two plum trees. Um, and I try to keep everything pruned down so it's not near the wires. Okay. And uh, I would love to have an apple tree, but I'm just out of room. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you are a big fruit person. Now, what do you do with you, all your harvest? Or do you have some go-to recipes that you like? Yeah. Um, the, I actually have um, like three recipes for the pears on my blog. Um, one for a pie. Um, it's sort of like a take on a high top apple pie, but you use the pears instead. Wow. Um, that sounds there's great. another one. Yeah. It's, it's really yummy. <laughs> like good thing about the pears that I grow, they're, they're kefir pears. So they're like a cooking pear, hmm. um, not really a fresh eating pear. So they store well in the fridge. So it'll be Christmas and you know, you can still have pears for dessert. So I've, I have like a pear cranberry crisp recipe, which is good for Christmas. Oh, wow. And, um, I made for uh, Beth Dillstrom. She's another blogger. She does um, the More Than Oregano blog. Yeah, and she had yeah, she had like a food um, series last year, and she had us all share like our favorite recipes. So I came up with this uh, pear with honey and pear baklava using the pears. So that came oh out my gosh. so good. <laughs> pear baklava. Oh my yeah. gosh! Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then when you pair it with the honey, it was like. It was so good. <laughs> oh. And then, like, you know, I'll I'll do the jams, too. But this year, um, it's not – I'm not I'm not making jam this year because we had um, a late frost in April. So it killed most of the flowers on the fruit trees here, which okay. is also, um, like, a northeastern problem, like, in Connecticut. I think all the peaches got destroyed, too, because oh. they, they were flowering when the frost came. So um, there's no peaches in Connecticut this year. 
And uh, I have, like, maybe one plum on a tree out there and, like, four pears. So it's kind of sad because last year I had, like, more than 200 pounds of pears. So you go from so many to nothing. You know, it's unusual. Wow. Yeah, everywhere you go, there's some other different situation that people are dealing with. So it's good to be aware of that stuff. Now, what do you do with um, – uh, what was the other fruit you mentioned? You had pears? Oh, um, plums? Yeah, what do you do with those? I've made, like, puff pastry out of those. Or you get, like – you can make the puff pastry from scratch, but no one really has time for that. So okay. you just go by the freezer puff pastry, and you cut it into, like, strips, and then you um, combine the – plums with sugar and spices and then you kind of lay it on the pastry strip and put another puff pastry piece on top and it kind of mm. makes like sort of like a cheater's strudel you know okay <laughs> and I think I have that one on the blog also because that one was uh that was a good one and easy to do wow so these you recipes, could do it with any plum basically you can so now when yeah so when you're doing um these recipes where do people find recipes on your blog you know what? I probably should make a page for that. <laughs> make a page. Yes. Well, yeah, I, like or right they can now, just, I think, uh, or is I there think a search just button? By searching. Yeah. I, I was could, just going to say search probably. Right. Yeah. But I, I can make a, a landing spot for that. That would be good. Yeah. You could do a landing page, just, uh, frowzeny cooks <laughs> or frowzeny <laughs> in the kitchen. And then in parentheses, yes, honey, I am occasionally in the kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, it's just raining. I can't take pictures right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's raining. I have to be in the kitchen. I am going to cook. (laughs) Well, um, Jen, what do you regard as your central strength as a gardener? I would say I really like bold colors and I'm willing to experiment with them. Hmm. Like I like to view the garden as like a painting, almost like the individual flowers are like the colors on a paint palette. And then you can move them around to see what would go well together. Yes. And then, you know, if it doesn't work, then you just pick, you just pick it up and you move it, you know. But I feel like some people are scared of bold colors with flowers. And I feel like I'm really drawn to them. And then when I take the pictures, I feel like that comes out. Um, like, especially on my Instagram, I feel like it's all bright colors. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, your name, uh, Frau Zinni, um, I'm assuming that you have a variety or two that's a favorite for zinnias. Yeah. <laughs> what are your favorite zinnia uh, flowers um, to grow? I would say the queen red lime. I really like that one. Um, and that's like a, it's like a darker pink. And you can combine that with the, the green uh, zinnias. They look really nice together. And where do you and, get them? Uh, oh, um, I've bought the seeds from Baker Creek Seeds. Okay. They have a good variety. Um, and then there's also an online seed place called, um, I think it's called Swallowtail Seeds. Okay. Um, and they have so many seeds. Um, that's where I get my pansies and stuff from, too. Hmm. And I think they're on, oh, Swallowtail Garden Seeds. That's what it is. They're out in California, and they have, like, a really good selection of zinnia seeds also. Okay, so otherwise and, uh, your favorite is the Queen Red Line, L-I-N-E. Yep, and uh, and probably Art Deco. Those are nice, too, because those are, like, pink and purple and red. You get, like, a mix of them in there. Hmm. What about for size? Like, is there a Gigantus Zinnia? Is there a variety um, that's I would really say, 
the Benares Giants. Okay. Um, probably purple because purple or pink. Because those are my favorite colors. Those are. Wow. <laughs> that's what I'm drawn to. So, and they usually get pretty tall, and they're good for cutting. How tall are you talking? I believe it's like three to four feet. Oh yeah. I do grow once in a while, like the really short zinnias, but I tend to go for the big tall ones because I like to cut them and bring them inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have to chat a little bit about your photography. How, okay. <laughs> how do you ta- how do you take such great photos? You've got to have some tips. Um, what are some of the things? You- I think you mentioned earlier the time of day for you is a big draw. It, you yeah. Know. Um, the lighting is so much better either in the morning or the late afternoon, just because of the way the the sun is in the sky. Like if you go out at noon or one, you're going to get those like hard shadows. Like if you, if you ever try to take a picture at like a family picnic of people, you ever notice like how they have those dark, dark shadows under their eyes. Yes. <laughs> it's because of the, the time of day with that. So like, it's the same idea with the flowers. Like they're going to have these harsh shadows on them. So if you can go out later in the day, the sun's at a different angle and it creates a nicer um, shadow on them. And then like, you know, some people say cloudy days are too, but I tend to still do a lot of pictures when it's sunny out, as long as it's not in the height of the noonday sun. Okay. So any other tips? Um, Well, I feel like investing in good camera gear really pays off. Um, Like I've been lucky that over the years, like I, I shoot with Canon cameras and I started out, more than 10 years ago with the Canon Rebel, which is like one of the introductory cameras. And now I'm up to the the EOS 1D, which is a fairly professional camera. Through my way up the line, um, the nice part is that, you know, you buy a lens and it still works for other cameras. I really rely a lot on my macro lens for the flower pictures because it just really gets the detail. Um, It's like a 100 millimeter lens for the people who are (laughs) are into that. Um, And then uh, I have a faster white lens, which we saved up for for a long time, and that shoots uh, 100 to 400 millimeter. I usually use that for when I photograph um, track or um, cross-country meets because it stops the action really well. But it's also good for, like, um, capturing birds, like, across the yard so you don't have to be close to them in order to get like a good picture. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now, how about, um, you know, just the sheer volume of pictures that you take? I mean, once you get into photography, then the secondary issue is how am I going to store and organize these photos and then backing them up, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Backing up is such a, <laughs> yeah. such an important thing. I've almost lost, uh, one time our computer crashed and I didn't back up my stuff and Ugh. I was, biting my nails and watching my husband trying to recover um, everything. And somehow he did it. He like connected the computer to the laptop to another computer and uh, he, he saved it. And he was wow. like, never do that again. No. Are you a Mac <laughs> so now person? We, uh, Are you a Mac person, by the way? I am a Mac person. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I really like using Photoshop on the Mac too, just because the, the monitors are so nice and big. But now what I do is I buy portable hard drives. Um, We've been using the La C brand. We put all the pictures on there. What it does, it, like, doesn't clog up the actual operating system on the Mac. Because sometimes when you put too many things on your hard drive, it slows it down. Yes. By using the hard drive, the 
the external one, it keeps the computer moving fast, but it's like a safe place to store it. And then we have a time machine to back it up too. Okay, so you do an external hard drive that you put your your photos on, and then right. do you back up the external hard drive? Yeah, and about once you, a month. Okay, and where do you back that up to? Another external hard drive? Yeah, like a different, um, a different drive. So okay. we've got a lot of. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of drives here, but after I almost lost everything, it was. Yep, like, you're done. You're not going to yeah. go through that again. Now, what yeah. about, um, so the external hard drives, you mentioned the name of this drive that you like. Uh, what's the name of it again? Can you spell it? And then where do you get it? Oh, yeah. It's um, it's called LaCie. Um, it's spelled L-A-C-I-E. And um, I think we bought it off of Amazon, to be okay. honest. Okay. I think Best Buy sells it too, though. All right. Well, yeah, and that that's seems the to challenge. be doing the trick. Yeah, I mean, really, that is the big challenge. And I have a Mac as well, and I'm putting them on my my Mac, and it is slowing them down. So yeah. that was the system that I need to go to is is to start pulling it off, and um, and then I also think by um, putting them in folders by date, that would be better for me. Yeah, what I actually do with uh, the gardening photos, I have a folder for each year. So like right now, I'm in the you know 2016, and then I do a folder for each month. And oh. then in there, I put all the photos for, like, July. And then, when it, like, now today will be August. So when I take photos again, it'll start a new folder. And then I'll put only the garden photos for August in there. Oh, that's so that a way great it also idea. Helps me. Yeah, and it helps, like, find, like, oh, what was blooming in June that I could use for, for a sample picture for something, you know? Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I have other uh, photographer friends who are much better about, like labeling their photos, like they'll put keywords on them so they can like run a search through like Lightroom and find them quickly. But I, I haven't done that just because I don't, I don't know. My system seems to be working. Yes. <laughs> so. Well, I love the idea of sorting by, by date because date doesn't change. You know, date is, is such a great field to be doing a search on. And a lot of times yeah. when you're writing posts too, it's it's the time, you know, whether it's your garden chores and you're trying to think about, well, what was I doing, you know, this time last yeah. year, you know, you can get a, get a handle on that. Um, and then everything's yeah. together that way. So I like that. I like grouping by date. That's a good thing. So, wow. So what would you recommend if someone was starting out and wanting to uh, get a new camera, what would you tell them to get? If they were brand new to it, I probably would still say the Canon Rebel because okay. no matter what lenses you buy, you can still use them later on, like when you do upgrade. Um, I've also had luck with the Canon, um, I think it's the 50D. That was the one we had, or the 5D. <laughs> no, they're okay. all starting to blur together. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but what's nice is that you want like a camera that has a lens that can come off. Um, so like a SLR camera, because it just seems to be, I find that it's like a better quality of picture comes from those, okay. um, because it, cause then you are relying on the type of lens and the glass you're buying as opposed to like those compact cameras where everything's built in, you know? Yes. So I feel like a lot of the pictures I take are just because of the gear I use. Ah, yes. Now how about, um... Uh, the bag that you put your camera in or what you what you tote around for hauling all of your camera gear do you have something that you like um yeah I actually got it as a Christmas gift um 
last year, there's this backpack. It's called um, Rugged. I'm looking at Rugged. I'm looking at it right now. Um, wow. <laughs> but it's nice because um, my mother-in-law got it for me, and it has, like, sections for um, different lenses, so you can swap the lenses off if you need to. And I usually, um, like, I'll use it when I'm taking photos, like, at, like, a, a track meet or a cross-country meet. Usually when I'm here in the garden, I'll just... Um, you know, go outside with the camera without a bag or anything. But um, it comes in handy, too, like if I'm going to a a public garden, but I want to bring a couple different lenses because I don't know what I'm going to, like how close I'll get be able to get to something. So it's nice. It's not too heavy, and um, you don't get that, like, shoulder where, you know, like your right side hurts because the camera bag's weighing you down. It's like a backpack, so um, it's proportional. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to look into that. Did you get that at Amazon, too? You know, she might have gotten that at B&H. Okay. It was a Christmas gift, so I don't know how much it was. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Miss Jen, this has been so fun. Let's talk about yeah, upcoming events. Yeah, I'm so glad events. we got to talk today. I know. I know. It was a real pleasure. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Beth Billstrom as well. So the minute you said that, I'm like, well, there you go. That's why we did it all so well. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So you have to share. You have an upcoming event that you're going to. And I am so jealous. So you've got to spill. Tell us everything. What are you yes, doing? I'm, uh... I'm planning on going to visit uh, Margaret Roach's Open Garden Day, oh, and uh, oh my in her, gosh. yeah. <laughs> and what's really cool is that now she does the Open Garden Days because I've been saying for years that I'm going to go, but then usually something gets planned and I can't. But I've noticed this year that she also brings in like a guest lecturer, yeah. And um, she has like Broken Arrow come and set up in her driveway and sell plants. And um, this year, this time, the guest lecturer is going to be Thomas Rayner who wrote Planting in a Post-Wild World. Ugh. So that would be really cool to, oh to like, not only gosh. see her garden, but to hear him talk and maybe buy a plant. <laughs> I think it's not, maybe buy a plant. Oh, my gosh. Maybe. <laughs> You're going to be overcome, and you will. You need to bring, bring a lot of cash, honey. Yeah. You're going to be shopping up a storm. I know, and I better bring the camera, too. <laughs> oh, you better bring the camera. You better bring backup SD cards. You better bring up backup batteries you need you need a you need a supply <laughs> you need to be making your list for sure yeah so now I when know. is and this she's, just, she's so like when I grew up um like she was one of the first gardening books I bought she's just so great she knows so much and she's so nice like I had the opportunity to meet her once at a lecture and it was just like a quick meet and greet but she was just so friendly and so knowledgeable and it'll be so cool to be able to go up there and see her yard like in person, because she does a really good job sharing it through her website. Yes. Um, with the pictures that she takes, but it'll be cool to see it good in for person. You. Now, when is this? That's going to be on uh, Saturday, August 20th. August 20th. And it's part of the Garden Conservancy Open Days. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so my hopefully, goodness. when I meet her again, I won't be like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> You're my idol. <laughs> You'll have to come up with your questions for Margaret Roach. Like, make your yeah. list and then. <laughs> my luck, I'll probably just stand there smiling and I won't say a word. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Star my Trek. gosh! Well, I am so jealous, and it's you're 90 minutes from her, right? So it's pretty yeah, close. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So it's worth the drive. <laughs> yeah, you have to do it. You have to do it. Well, I tell you what, if people want to get a hold of you, of course, they can go to Frau Zinni, right? Look up right. Frau Zinni on the, on the internet and they'll come right to your website. But right. where are you at on social media? I'm on Facebook as Frau Zinni. I'm on Twitter as uh, Jen M. Gardens. And that's, I think, because I started the Twitter account before I started the blog. So okay. See, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, Jen with one N and then M and then Gardens. Okay. And then uh, Instagram, I'm jmcginnis31. And uh, McGinnis is spelled like the beer, only with Nick in front of it. Ah, there you go. So two N's, two S's, and 31. And then Pinterest is also um, just jmcginnis. I'm making a note. And then on the on the Instagram I share um the photography and there's also like for other photography there's McGinnis photography and they're on that's on Facebook as MCG photo. But that's been kind of quiet lately just because I've been putting so much work into into Frozeny. <laughs> well, there you go. And you are going to give away to one lucky listener a photo card or photo print, right? Right, yep. So that'll be a treat. Tell us about those really quick. Sure. Well, um, if you go to McGinnisPhoto.com, that's a sample of some of the type of photography that I do. And I have a lot of nature photography, obviously. (laughs) So um, a lucky listener can win. Um, I think I'll do a matted photo, um, like a five by seven matted, and then a couple of photo cards to get like a little... A variety there. Of oh, I love it. Different nature images. Oh, that'll be great. I tell you what, if you live next door, we would be doing little garden expeditions probably every weekend. Yeah, I bet you we would. And we'd be swapping plants. And <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon our gardens would become one. <laughs> That's what happens, you know, when you garden near a friend. Your gardens kind of start to look alike. They kind of merge, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, Jen. This was so, so fun. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so awesome to be able to talk to you. Yeah, we had a good time chatting. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. All right, you too. Well, that's it for our show today. I want to thank Jen McGinnis of Frau Zinni for being such a great guest. I want to thank my team at Podfly Productions for helping me produce the show, David Myers, Ein Codina, and David Gregerson. Just a reminder that I'll have all the generous information that Jen McGinnis shared on the show today under the Still Growing podcast page on my website at sixfootmama.com. That's the number six, ftmama.com. And just a reminder that if you really like the show, I'd love to have you join the Still Growing Podcast Group on Facebook. It's a great place to ask questions, share your garden stories, interact with the great guests featured on Still Growing, like Jen McGinnis, and also connect with other listeners of the show. And don't forget, it's also where I post all of the really awesome garden giveaways from my guests and sponsors for my lucky listeners. So if you're interested in those matted photos and photo cards from Jen McGinnis of Frau Zenny. That's where you're going to want to check them out in the Still Growing Podcast group on Facebook. I'd love to meet you there. Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling is a sixfootmama.com production made in lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota. Still Growing is a weekly gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow.